All right, here we go. Salute to NBA Nation on this Wednesday afternoon. A blockbuster has just been announced, man. This is the NBA Report, and uh, we're here to break down this Pascal Siakam trade to the Indiana Pacers. The rumored trade that we heard about last night, they said it was going to be hot. It, it was hot on the stove, and it looks like it's just about done because according to Woj, uh, Pascal Siakam has been traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Bruce Brown and uh, two 2024 first-rounders and a 2026 first-round pick. Uh, they're also including the New Orleans Pelicans in the deal who will send a second-round pick to Indiana, and Kyra Lewis Jr. goes to the Raptors, man. Uh, Al, I'll start with you. What, how do, what's your reaction to this? Siakam to the Pacers. Your thoughts? Don't forget Jordan Noir is in that deal, oh, too. Oh, Jordan so Noir. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No disrespect. No disrespect. Bruce Brown, uh, Jordan Noir, three first-round picks. I think it's good for the Pacers. Look, you get a good running mate with Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who likes to push the pace every single night. And then you have Siakam, who likes to run the open floor. And the good thing about Siakam is that he adds defense to a team that really needs defense, a versatile defender, guard three, four, some nights even the five. And I think for the Pacers, this is a good move for them. Although I don't think it's the big three that I see the graphic flying around with Halliburton, Siakam, and uh, Miles Turner. If anything, that's closer to what the Knicks had with Randall, RJ, and uh, and Brunson. Yeah. But it's a good move, man. It's a good move for the Pacers. You know, it's not a it's not an easy free agent signing destination spot. So to get someone like Siakam, an All Star, former champion with the Raptors, good move for the Pacers. Yeah, Andrew, how you like it, man? Yeah, I totally agree with Al. I would say that I really wanted to see Pascal on the Mavs. Because I thought that would bring him closer to winning a championship for him and the Mavs organization. I don't think that does that for the Pacers, but I do think it's a good move. I think no matter where he went, it would benefit him to tap into what he was with Kawhi, running lanes, running the floor, be a little bit less isocentric. And I think, as Al pointed out, with the way the Pacers push the pace, I mean, he's going to be able to be just that. Now he can tap into his iso game. Because the Pacers don't really have a guy who operates in that mid post in the middle of the area of the court. Like, uh, you know, I think that that's a great fit in that regard because you do yeah. need players that in the playoffs, late game situations and the shot clock situations go up and get you a bucket in the mid range. And I think Pascal could do that. Um, I love the fit. I just felt like Pascal to give him the best chance to win a championship. It would have been with the Mavs. Now, I mean, Al talked about the Pacers' defense. Um, the offense is going to be elite, and shout to Rick for really tapping into the modern style of basketball, using analytics, shooting a lot of threes, quick-hitting offense. But will their defense be good enough? I think that brings them a little bit closer, but I'm not sure it's enough to win the East. Yeah, yeah, I um, I, I like the trade. I'm with you. I felt like the Mavs, he would have had a better chance of, of competing with the Mavs, and that would have been an interesting look. But it's the Pacers have been the team for me. That that's been a team that I've I've pegged step them with uh, Pascal Siakam mm -hmm. uh, for the, for the longest time. You know, they they needed uh, wing depth, they needed wing defense, they needed a wing score and a playmaker, man. Uh, Pacers number one in points per possession in, in transition. You bring in a guy like a Pascal Siakam who's in the 90th percentile in the league in transition. He fits right into what they're looking to do. But 
You're bringing a grown-up now into the room, a veteran, a champion, into that mix, into a core that's playing very well. And and I think, you know, playing hard under Rick Carlisle, yes, they're, they're exceeding expectations. Are they legit? I think that's left to be seen, like how they will be, you know, playoff tested. But bringing in Siakam, you're bringing in a champion, a guy that's been there before, battle-tested, and someone that you can give it to in crunch time to go get you an isolation bucket if you need to. That's exactly what they need. So I, I love that move for them. And if you look at the what they the cost of what they have to give up, they brought Bruce Brown in there on pretty much a one-year rental. Like, they had some money that they had to park somewhere. They bring in a guy who just won a chip with the Nuggets. It was a great free agent move for them, a low-risk move for them. They put, they put his salary up in there. And three first-round picks that might not even be lottery picks by the time they convey. Like, if you look at two 2024 first-round picks, one of them is the Pacers' own. And if they have ambitions for the playoffs, that will be something, you know, low teens, high 20s. And then the other first-round pick, I'm just going back into Woj's tweets, the other first round pick is uh New Orleans. They they said the twenty twenty four first round pick will be Indiana Zone and the worst of Utah, Houston, Clippers, or OKC. Mm. So no telling where where that, that pick will land. But again, maybe unless it's like Utah, might not be that high. So overall, I didn't, I don't think the Pacers gave up that much, man. I thought they got a great deal here. Absolutely. And look, you get to move Aaron Naismith from the four to the three, his natural position, right? So now your projected starting lineup is going to be Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Aaron Naismith, Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner. That's a better starting five than what they previously had with Bruce Brown. And there's no shade to Bruce Brown, but they're yeah. playing really small. And you still get to keep, as we've been discussing, that ability to push out and transition. Now you just have that prototypical height, right, that you want at each position. And the way that Aaron Naismith has developed as a defender, too, you got some pretty it, – it's going to be – I Crap. think we're not going to see them in the basement of defense now. If anything, I would probably say they get closer to like 20. You know what I mean? Like probably 20th in, in defense, somewhere like that. Yeah. But even that, that's still an improvement. And, Andrew, I know you got to be happy with, with that because, you know, you talk about the Bucks having a terrible defense and good offense. Here come the Pacers with going to have elite offense and defense is, you know, there. So so with, yeah. the, with the Pacers now jump up, to your liking now, Andrew. <laughs> nah, did you see Dame Time the other night? Talking mm. about my Bucks Talk narrative, about huh? Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, 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 the Bucks narrative is still alive and well. Over the Bucks there. narrative is still alive and well, man. I know I sound like a broken record, but I believe in Dame and Giannis as playoff performers more than anybody else in the East. And Dame That's Time shows fair. up when Dame Time shows up. You saw it. Come on, guys. You saw it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, for the downside, Al, man, our guy Obi Toppin gets jettisoned to the bench once again, man. Uh, mm. You know, he's battling Neesmith for playing time. Now Siakam's here. That that puts Obi on the bench, man. Unfortunately, yeah. bro. I thought he was going to be including the deal. You saw that. You saw all the rumors of Obi Toppin potentially reuniting with his guys out in <laughs> Every, Toronto. Everybody wanted to throw the tinfoil hats on to put Obi, RJ, and quickly in Toronto to win the East, come back, knock the Knicks out of the, out of the East. And build their own team up there with Scotty Ball. You're saying Knicks fans wanted to see that. Where what were we talking about? Like the, the toxic yeah. side, where it's like, oh, the kids defeat. Uh, the, the... We love pain. We uh, love yes, pain, yes, man. Yes, yes. We, we've uh, started for thirty odd years, man. Good God. Um, what What would you guys think if Obi went to Toronto yeah. and they end up winning the East this season? How would you guys feel? 
uh, I couldn't do it. The fan base would be in shambles. Yeah, in shambles. Incomplete shambles, man. Well, it's safe to say that would not happen, but... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The, uh... So, Siakam is heading into free agency, but they don't do this deal without him having some sort of... Or without the Pacers have some some sort of assurance that he's going to sign with them. So... I'm sure they've already got some sort of framework of a deal going. Well, what were the destinations? It was Sacramento. He said he couldn't see himself out there. Yeah. You, now knew, you knew Indiana was in the race for Siakam. Dallas was another name uh, that was out there. Between those three destinations, I'm sure Siakam probably would have preferred Dallas more so. You also play with Luka, which would have been mm-hmm. great, and Kyrie. But you're playing with Hal Burton, who's also a great player in his own right. And I think what you're gonna, what we're going to see is that he's probably going to get the payday that he's looking for out in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, you know, which would have been much more difficult, and this is where I think you could say it's safer in Indiana because he gets to play with an elite level point guard. He could probably get that bad because it would be him and Hal Burton as the ticket that you're selling every single season. Uh, if he went, if he did go down to Dallas, he's not getting that contract that he was going to expect this free agency. So I expect him staying in Indiana, man. Uh, to, to your point, CP, you don't do these type of deals unless you you know, like you have something in your back pocket. But I also think just yeah. based on how the market was playing out, this is the team that could have paid him that type of money. This is a uh, a tweet from Bobby Marks. And Gamma putting it in, in the in your Slack right now. It's a tweet from Bobby Marks. He says, uh, Siakam is on an expiring $37.9 million contract. He's eligible to sign a two-year $81.5 million extension with Indiana up until June 30th. The Pacers inherit his bird rights and can sign him to a five-year, $247 million contract in July. He's no longer Supermax eligible because he was traded. So there you go. Mm. That That's that for Bobby Marks. So, uh, yeah, you can pretty much expect to hear Pascal Siakam, five-year, two, $247. Essentially, <laughs> 50, almost $50 million annually 50 for bags. Siakam. 50 bags. Hey, 50 is a new 20, man. Get used to it. You know, he's a new 20. So oh, he would have made even more if he wasn't traded, right? Or potentially if, if Jerry yeah. wanted to keep him. But that was always the point of contention with them was yeah. that it didn't seem like they wanted to, to keep him. Mm-hmm. Were they going to sign OG? Were they going to sign Siaka? Well, the Ojiri's chosen neither. He says, I'm going to keep right, right. Barnes. I'm most likely going to sign quickly. I got RJ, the hometown kid. And, and you know, what does Ujiri said? He's been on record as saying he doesn't like to play the middle. He either wants to be contending for something or bottom this thing out. Looks like he's choosing the latter. And this is this is now the Scotty Barnes, uh, R.J. Barrett team, man. What, what do you guys think about the direction of the Raptors right now? I think it's more the Scotty Barnes quickly team. If you mm, want to be. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. Because he got right. it, Andrew. All right. Nah, because I always talked about this. Like, I like the idea of little initiator, big initiator. And, like, we've seen it with Kyrie and Luka. We've seen it with... LeBron and Kyrie, not saying these guys are the same player, but I really believe in Scotty Barnes as in reaching a superstar level. And when you have a guy like Quickly, who gets his game off quick, no pun intended, I think that's a great mix for Scotty Barnes. They both could initiate a little bit. They both could play off the ball a little bit. One's bigger, one's smaller. It's very malleable. Bruce Brown is a malleable player as well. You put him in there. RJ Barrett to me is just, you know, a good do-it-all player. And I don't know if you build around a good do-it-all player. I like the idea of building around Scotty Barnes with quickly doing everything else around him. And um, I think quickly does take a leap with the Toronto Raptors. And I'm really excited to see that duo moving forward. The team looks much more like it was a little cluttered for Scotty with RJ 
and Siakam there. Right. I feel like this opens it yeah. up now because you know RJ's the guy that wants to get downhill. You know quickly can shoot. You have Pirtle who's also there. He's not a shooter. He, he really clocks up the paint as well. He's kind of like Mitchell Robinson as we watched as we would watch for the Knicks where not much outside of the paint. So this helps Scotty Barnes become that focal point of that offense. And then Bruce Brown, you have a slasher right there, right? And I, I like this team for the Raptors for the for the short term. But do you guys think that this team I'm gonna ask it because now that we got the Siakam trade and now we see that Bruce Brown's on this team. Raptors 15 and 25. Okay. They're what? They're 12th right now. Mm-hmm. So they're <laughs> they're the one game out of being 10th in the plan. You got the Brooklyn Nets who are 16 and 23. Do you see the Raptors team? Or sorry, uh, what do you got? Two and a half games. Two and a half games out. Do you see the Raptors get into the play-in with this with this roster? No, but I think they're bottoming it out. You know what I mean? But I I think you could see them trading Bruce Brown. I think mm-hmm. you could see them trading Bruce Brown and trying to get some more draft capital there. Now, salary matching might get interesting because he's making a a larger, much larger salary this year. But um, I don't I don't see them trying to trying to keep him. I think they would try to flip him to a uh, to a contender, get some more draft capital there, and uh, and take it from take it from there because this year he's making um twenty two. He's got twenty two million and a team option for at twenty three next year. So um, could they make the play? I mean, anything's possible. But but with the without Siakam, it's going to be uh, even tougher for them. Gonna gonna definitely be tough for them. I've been really high on uh, Scotty Barnes since the draft, and I believe he can become a superstar. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on where you land on Scotty Barnes as a potential superstar in the future. I love Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Big big fan of Scotty Barnes. Now, like last his sophomore year wasn't as, as great, but like he has all the potential in the world, man. With his mm-hmm. size, his ability to play, make, run the floor, initiate offense. Mm-hmm. Shooting's better forward. this year. Shooting has gotten better. Three-point shooting has gotten way better this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, there's a lot to love about Scotty Barnes, man, for sure. A- absolutely. Um, what do you, Well, Al, go ahead. Your, your thoughts on uh, on Barnes. No, I like Scotty Barnes. I think he's definitely a guy that you would build around. Uh, he He's the right decision. It's the right decision to build around him and move off of Siakam, OG, and everybody else and just tear this thing down and, and rebuild it again. Thinking about Scotty, and that's what they've done, right? That's why they've gone after guys like RJ and quickly to think about Scotty. And I think he has that talent where he can get up there. Uh, the versatility on defense, the shooting is definitely much more improved, as you guys met, mentioned. And it just seems like he put more work into the game, his game this offseason because everyone understood, like, that's why he had a sophomore slump is that everyone understood his game. He was now part of the scouting report, like, okay, this is how you stop Scotty. This is what you got to do. And now he's just adapted to be a guy that you can go to consistently on a night-to-night basis. And that's what you want to see. And when you can do that going into your third year, that gives the confidence that you can build around him and that he could be one of your top dogs. I don't see why he can't be the uh, a superstar in this league. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you fit the right pieces around him, right? He's only as good. Like, do I think he's going to be like Andrew? You think like he's going to be uh, like like Giannis or Embiid? Is that what you're thinking? Because I think he could be good, but it all depends on like the pairing. Where <laughs> if I look at Giannis and Jokic, those guys can carry a team no matter the circumstances. I don't know if Scotty can do that, but if you're telling me that you're going to have the right pieces around him. And quickly, and guys like RJ can develop. I definitely see him being the the lead in leading a team for a championship. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Embiid and Giannis. One thing I like about Scotty Barnes even better than those two. Not saying he'll ever be as good as them. Is just the ability 
to make everybody around him better and make the right pass at the right time. Now, he won't be the passer that Jokic is. You mentioned Jokic, but I think with any superstar player, you got to build around them in the right way. And I think that goes for Scotty Barnes. But I don't I do love the effect of players that just like make the right pass at the right time, don't hold it, shoot it when they're supposed to. I think there's a compound effect of making the right decisions over time for the whole team. Salute to everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Hit the like button, share button, and subscribe to the channel. We got 344 people in here in the chat. Welcome to the NBA report, man. We are reacting to breaking news. Pascal Siakam has been traded to the Indiana Pacers. So we are, are reacting to the trade and breaking it all down. If you guys are new in the chat, leave us a hashtag. New will shout you guys out. And also get your get your thoughts in, your, your reactions to the trade. Hit us up on the NBA report Discord, and we will uh and we will get right to you. Uh fellas, what do you let's look at this from a Pacers standpoint? You know, where does this trade put the Pacers uh, in, in the, for the current NBA season. You know, right now they're number six in the East. Eight games back are the Boston Celtics, uh, but only one game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers who are in fourth. You have four through eight in the East separated by two games. So, Andrew, what do you think, man? Where, where, where does this trade put the Pacers right now? They're 23-17, and 17, sixth place in the East right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it puts them ahead of the Sixers, the Celtics, and you know, guys, I don't think it puts them ahead of the Bucks. <laughs> but with the Miami Heat, like I'm looking at the Miami Heat, I think they could surpass the Miami Heat. But the Heat, the Heat needs to make a move, though, man. They're not like I know every year they overachieve, but they don't have enough right now. And I think playoff Jimmy could always carry them, and Bam's a great player, but they need to make a move, like. I'm not sure what it is. Like Garden Hayward is is you know a guy that maybe could help a little bit, but you need to do something. Like if the Miami Heat just lay low, I mean, I think the Pacers will surpass them. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have fit issue, they have fit issues, they have injury issues. I think the Pacers could surpass them as well. But I think the top three are still solidified, and we have to see what other moves are made in the trade zeitgeist. Yeah, uh, man, I I think four through eight is so tight. There's no telling, but like you said, man, like one through three is, is kind of, there's a ceiling, there's a ceiling there, right? Right under three where I don't think they're going to get above. Now, if your Milwaukee Bucks do slide to the pack with mm. Indiana having win, winning that season series already, things could change kind of quickly. But right now I think one through three is kind of out of their reach, but four through eight, it could be any man's guess because there's so much parity there. Cleveland could come back from injury. Miami, who knows? They could play better. They could trade their way into improvements. The Knicks, could they trade themselves into improvements? And Orlando's been, been playing pretty consistently for most of the year. So, I mean, that's one game, CP. Come on. You know, the season tournament, one game. In a seven-game series? Oh. No, no, but what, no, 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 not in the series. But what I'm saying is in the regular season series, they've, they've won the regular season series against Fair. the Bucks. So all I'm Fair. saying is, like, let's say the Bucks go on, like, a, a injury-riddled slide back to the mm. pack. Mm. And these two guys are going kind of head-to-head here, and the Pacers, maybe maybe the Pacers move ahead of them. Just saying. Well, you mentioned the Knicks. already sweating. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the Knicks, CP. So yeah. I... You know, we have you two on the show here along with me, but I would like to defer to you when it comes to Nick's knowledge. What moves do you think the Knicks should make within the East to improve? Brogdon. Uh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's a great Dante idea. Murray. 
What do you guys um, think about Jordan Clarkson or Colin Sexton? Colin Sexton's my guy. Uh, that right? was that was Al's sleeper trade yesterday that we had a blockbuster trade show of what bench pieces we could add to fortify this next unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fan base, you know, collectively voted on a Sexton Olenek trade for Fournier Grimes and Archie Diakono. They were opting to break up the Nova crew. Do they to- have to bring it? Do they have to add in picks to that? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Probably, Dallas yeah. pick is definitely going out. Probably. Now, I know Al doesn't like the idea of Gordon Hayward off the bench. How about you, CP? Off the bench at the right price, I, I would. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right, this right is price. quite the turn. Right, right price. Right price. I don't know what the price is. What, what's Mitch Kupchak willing to take for Gordon Hayward? Am I gonna am I gonna give up an unprotected first round pick? No, I would never do that. You but never it, know. Like once somebody gets in another situation, he might turn back into Utah Jazz Gordon. You never know. He might just not be motivated right now with this crazy yeah, Hornets team. Yeah, he's playing. He's, he's running around with a bunch of bums out there. <laughs> but, I mean, we could certainly we could certainly use a scoring off the bench. That's what I'm saying. Like wow. if, if if it costs you a protected pick, you got so many of them. You need a bench upgrade. You know, I'm not the biggest Gordon Hayward fan. I was never a fan of their initial pursuit of him because I didn't think he was in. If, if he, I didn't think he was a durable player, I don't really think he's a dog. But mm. the the position that the Knicks are in right now, literally, you could take the 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 top half or the bottom half of the league and put them on the Knicks, and and they'd help give them a spark off the bench. Man, they need a lot of help, man. Give me Colin Sexton. Let's end this conversation about Gordon Hayward. So, so Al, so Al, does Colin Sexton make you legit title contenders? No. Uh, puts us closer, in my opinion. Does it make it better than the Pacers in the realm of this conversation? That's a yes, tough it does. Series, right? Yeah. An where, 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 where does this this Pacer team look right now as compared to the Knicks right now? Let me hold, hold, hold. No, no one's stopping. Colin Sexton is in his bag. No one is stopping Colin Sexton. Okay, that's a yeah. that's a guard that can get downhill. You want to talk about strapping up and locking up somebody on defense? He will do just good that. fit with Tibbs, right? The mentality, one thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. one thousand percent. That's a Tibbs team. guy right there. Is this Pacer team better than the Knicks? What do you think, CP? Right now, I'm going to say yes. And they've you already. Think the Pacers are better than the Knicks. Are you saying the Pacers are better than with, the Knicks or the Knicks trade better? right now? Yeah. Yes. Mm. I think so. That that the Knicks need to address the bench, man. They need bench help, bro. They need That's bench. That's fair. That's fair. They got Matherin off the bench. Yeah. Um, it feels like the Knicks should be able to do it, right? That's not too much to ask for, some bench help. You're not looking for um, a superstar, right? I mean, some bench help is not too much to ask for. That's that. Well, it, it is if, th- if you have a certain budget. True. You know what I mean? Like, for the Knicks, are, the Knicks are not like other teams that are, in, let's say, that top six collectively in the league where – you can you can expense you can spare ah oh, get rid of this first round pick because this guy I know can really solidify my chances to at, at, with my depth right the Knicks are in a position where they need depth to be competitive but they're not looking for a piece to like be a true contender this year because they're not they're just not there right now. But do you guys believe it's worth it to make that move for the right price? Yeah, because they have a ton of assets. Okay, for the right yeah definitely. Definitely. And that that's how the Knicks have operated around the trade deadline, like really trying to go, you know, bargain basement hunting and, and trying to find a, a fit piece at the right cost. Does it cause hesitancy, hesitancy 
because of that elephant in the room with Embiid and things of that nature to not trade assets right now? Well, I think I, don't I think, think Embiid's leaving. Yeah, the that Embiid thing is sailed. But I think for like a Spider Mitchell type of player, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh man, don't don't start about Donovan Mitchell and potentially the Miami Heat. Then CP's really gonna be upset, well, Andrew. I, I think <laughs> he didn't like that take. Too. He did. He didn't like that. CP did like that. I think CP did not like that take whatsoever to think of Donovan yeah. Mitchell in a Miami Heat jersey. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, if you look at the Pacers, if you look at the Pacers bench, I mean, between Andrew Nebhard, Benedict Matherin, yep, Isaiah Jackson's playing pretty well. You know, you got Jalen Smith, Obi Toppin on that bench. That's that's a better bench than what the Knicks have. Yeah. Just because, uh, like, Nebhard and Benedict Matherin could be our scores, who can go create for themselves. Um, and I just – This is up and down, but they can at least go create for themselves. For the Knicks, you're relying on Deuce, Josh Hart, Precious. Not a lot of, not a lot of confidence. I feel like they got too much firepower. This They have too much firepower right now. Whenever the Heat move off you quick, it's not a good sign. And that's what happened with Precious. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he couldn't yeah, even that's stick not, around. That's, Spolster, Spolster couldn't even work with him. Yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> that's to tell, tell you something. That's that. why I've been, I, I've been waiting for Jericho Simpson to get back into the rotation. I'm like, what yeah. are we doing here? Yeah, that, that should tell you something, man. All right, be, before we move on to Siakam thing, uh, let's hear from my guy Silico. Silico on the NBA report Discord. Mm. So Silico, the, uh, the, the resident president of the Knicks Fan TV Discord. Oh, look what he did there. Heads, heads over to the NBA report, man. Talk about support. Let's go, man. Silico, what's good, bro? One, two, one, two. Loud and clear, sir. You have the floor. First things first, it has to be said. I I, I was sad that I saw the trade and Obi wasn't included. <laughs> I know I know it's just because I'm a Knicks fan. Yeah. And I know it's just because I wanted Toronto to become MSG North. Yeah. Hmm. But that much had to be said. And secondarily, like somebody in the Discord was saying earlier, I have no clue who is going to be an actual power forward for this Raptors team going forward. Like, they got to get another deal done because they they do not have an adequate starting power forward compared to the rest of the league, and especially the rest of the East at this point. Yeah, I mean, now, did did he completely address their size issues? No, but certainly on the defensive end, they got more length, they got more switchable, they got more versatile, they got smarter. Still, still like the pickup. I think yeah. on a rebuilding team, you, you you think about fit later. You worry about accumulating talent and developing talent at this moment. So, um, I think you do that first, and then you think about like, oh, what do we need moving forward? Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, that said, uh. I I don't know how I feel about putting Indi- uh, putting Indiana above the Knicks reliably. I see your mm. point. I see your point, CP. Yeah. A- especially because that's a lot of very smart players with very yeah. high basketball IQ on their team. True. So it's true. A- and and obviously Siakam's got the the championship pedigree to go with it. Absolutely, man. You know, Stilico, while we have you on the line, let the people know about the Discord, man. I I know you're in the NBA Report Discord. Let them know why they need to jump into the Discord and and, uh, what it's all about, man. Listen, it gets hopping when there's good games going. Yeah. There there is no better place to be talking hoops than with this crowd. Let's go. 
Let's go, man. Stilico checking in from Kentucky, man. We'll holler at you tonight, man. Knicks versus Raptors postgame, man. See you tonight, man. Oh, I'll be watching. Let's go. Sir, yes, sir. Let's go. Stilico on the Discord. Um, One, one more thing, fellas, on, on the Siakam thing. This was kind of interesting. Uh, I think Alex has posted this in this in the Slack. So, uh, Gamba, just throw it up on, on the Jumbotron. You know, in the Bruce Brown conversation and thinking that he might get, you know, flipped to another team. And we're talking about the Knicks. Is, is Bruce Brown now a potential trade candidate? Because our guy Fred Katz of The Athletic in his article yesterday talked about some of the goals that the Knicks had in terms of the ideal trade candidate for this season. A player whose uh, contract is digestible, is tradable, is flippable, is in the is in the high teens to low twenties. A player who they could then trade in the offseason if they needed to. How about Bruce Brown, uh, Al? Twenty-two million with a club option next year. Still gets you potentially if you want to get that spider player or that star in the summer, becomes a, an expiring contract to get you that star player and can help you now. So we're going back to the well. <laughs> that is the Toronto Raptors <laughs> to go get another hey. player. Hey, listen, man. Things have been going oh. so good. What lawsuit? Forget about the lawsuit, man. The lawsuit doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> uh, there's no such thing. You guys want more picks? We got some more. Oh, my goodness. The fact that there's – if we can do trades with, with a lawsuit going on, we should go after Macau Bridges then, CP. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the real goal, okay? Yeah, but, right. hey, uh, you could just do a straight-up 48 trade for Bruce Brown because the thing about Bruce Brown – trading Bruce Brown now is that they can't aggregate him. And the thing with the Knicks is that with Precious Flynn, those guys can't, can't be aggregated as well. You can't trade Deuce because he just got extended. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see them trading Josh Hart, so – that's probably a no. So you're looking at 48 for Bruce Brown. Do you throw in more? So that means you got to throw in some picks to go get him. Where do you put him? Is he in the starting rotation? Do you replace Dante DiVincenzo? No. Is he coming no, off no. the bench? So he's no, coming I off the bench. The, I bring him off the bench, yeah. So then who are you benching? Grimes? Nah, not trying to. Tr- I'm not trying to bench Grimes. Not trying to bench Grimes. Or does Grimes still get traded? Does Grimes still get sent? If Grimes is in this trade to go get Bruce Brown. I am I am throwing myself out the window for the wrong reasons. They said Bruce Brown. Too cold out there, Brown. Alex. That Too cold. Don't it. throw yourself Not out the Brown. window, man. Come on. Oh, Andrew, I think I don't know. I don't think you know. So over on KFT, I get when when there's like a big win, excitement. We're jumping out the window, man. We jump out the got window you. for excitement. Got you. I'm throwing. I'm jumping myself out the window for if it's Evan Fortier and Quentin Grimes for Bruce hey, Brown. I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. I don't see the Knicks going after Bruce Brown. I don't think a Fournier-Brown yeah. trade is what... Because he's not even... He's not a guy that you even put on ball to be that guard that what they're really looking for behind Jalen Brunson. So I don't see it happening. Yeah. He, ha- he had some interesting minutes as a backup point guard for the Nuggets, like playing that point guard role more in a traditional way than Jokic and Murray play off each other in those minutes that he had. I mean... He could guard multiple positions, and he could play multiple positions. We've seen him play small yeah. ball five with the Brooklyn Nets as a short roller. How does that For look sure. with Brunson? I don't yeah. know. But I do think he's a guy that could you could like mold him and fit him to any system because he has almost every skill. 
Instead, the only skill like he doesn't have is like post work and like creating his own, right? But besides that, like he could do a lot. Like he's really malleable yeah. around star players. Could could be an option, man. Um, hang on one second. So to everybody in the chat once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. I think it could be a potential option. You know, every 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 uh, yeah, every team has a as a uh, you know a trade board, a draft board. He he could be there, man. Never say never, bro. Never say never. Oh, and you know what? You want to know why Bruce Brown is a legitimate option? For the Knicks? You want to know why Bruce Brown is also a legitimate option? Is it CAA, CP? Because his agents in Ty Sullivan and Steve Fubin are representation from none other than creative artist agency. You guessed it. He's part of the family, baby. <laughs> so there it is. Bruce Brown to the Knicks. He's part of the family. He's part of the clan. It's a possibility, man. Yeah, that's it. For I, Evan I, Fournier I the, and some yeah. picks. I threw the tinfoil kufi all the way on for you, bro. Thank you. I just I just put it all together. It's a possibility. So now we're gonna have to watch uh, a second unit of Josh Hart and Bruce Brown figuring <laughs> out who's gonna take the ball up. <laughs> And, and, and who's going to play make? Who's going to shoot in the half court? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Fade oh, away man. jumpers from the mid-range. Here Fade we go. away mid-range jumpers, man. Ah. Tough twos, man. Yeah. Tough twos. Now, I'm with you. I, I think it's a it's more of a long shot, but hey, anything's possible, man. Anything is possible. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your boys, CP, Alex, and Andrew in the building. The NBA report is rocking. Uh, we are breaking down the Pascal Siakam trade to the uh, Indiana Pacers. But let's go around the NBA a little bit, man, because last night you had a ton of good games on last night. And I got to start with the first one. We had the marquee matchup, a matchup that we really have rarely, rarely seen. Just the third head-to-head -head matchup between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic in in like a, a long time. I forgot how much time had elapsed, but just like the third head-to-head -head matchup in quite a while between these two guys who've been ducking each other due to load management and things of, of that nature. But in Philly, you had the process taking on the Joker and the Sixers won 126 to 121. Joel Embiid, 41 points and 10 dimes. Uh, Jokic had 25, 19 rebounds, including 11 offensive boards. Uh, but the Sixers, man, with the, with the clutch 18-3 run late in this game would end up uh, being the dagger there, man. Philly rolling, 126-121. Uh, Al, what was your impressions of this game, man? It was a close game, man. I loved watching this game last night. I mean, you got to see two MVP caliber candidates duke it out. I thought it was interesting how Jokic was uh, guarding Embiid, but vice versa, vice, vice versa, it was Tobias Harris on Nikola Jokic last night. So I thought that was interesting. And it looked like they were deploying a little bit of the box and one at moments. I don't know, Andrew, maybe you could attest to that. I thought I saw a little bit of a box and one last night where they had Harris just floating around guarding Jokic, but hey, it was a good back-and-forth game. You had the MVPs making big shot after big shot when needed, but it all came down to Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter where Embiid drilled that three to really seal the game for them when it was about at the five-minute mark. But this is what you want to see, man, from two high-caliber teams, both of them just working out in transition, working the half-court really well. The, if this is a finals matchup, man, this is this yeah. will be very entertaining. 
Yeah, I'm not as confident in the Sixers making the finals, but I do agree with you. It'd be nice to see the big man back, right? As a yeah. centerpiece in basketball. A little throwback for you, even though Jokic, I don't even know if he's a center. I don't know what position that guy plays. But um, yeah, you're right. I actually also saw on the other side where they were using Aaron Gordon to guard Embiid. So I think mm -hmm. both teams implemented a little bit of that. I think this all goes back to that it's a copycat league, and we saw the Lakers playing AD off Jokic, even though they ended up losing that series. I think, you know, some teams like to employ that strategy. But, you know, we see him whispering to Jokic, you're the best player in the world. And I totally agree with Embiid, even though he got the best of Jokic on this night. Um, and the gap is widening, by the way. Jokic is the best player in the world for the simple fact that, let's say me and you have a conversation, Alex, right? Hmm. Not a recording, just me and you have a conversation. Nobody could hear it. It's just me and you talking. But once we put the microphones on, it's a residual effect. People could share it. And when Jokic shares the basketball, that allows other players to share the basketball, which has a residual effect. There's more impact. And I think Jokic is different than Embiid in the sense that he makes everybody around him better. Sharing leads to sharing. Just like we're doing right now on this show. This show could be shared and shared and shared because we have microphones on. And I believe like that's why... Jokic is the better player. And I said this before they won a championship, but shouts to Embiid. I don't see the Sixers making it there, but I do think it would be a great matchup if they did. Uh, so the so correction on that stat, it's the third head-to-head -head matchup in the last four seasons. Third head-to-head -head matchup in the last four seasons. So three out of a potential eight that they played each other. And the general sentiment, which I totally agree with around the league, was like, this was so much needed last night. You had a classic game between two guys who've been jockeying for the MVP uh, uh, trophy for like the last five years straight. You finally got to see these guys play. Now, they didn't go head-to-head -head as much as you would have liked, right? This isn't the 80s anymore, unfortunately. They, you know, everybody tries to out outsmart each other. You want to keep your guy out of foul trouble. Um, but... I, I still love the matchup and I love to see how, you know, Embiid really took on the challenge to show the world that, listen, he's, he's right up there, man. I mean, 10 dimes in his own right, 11 points in the fourth quarter. He had a stretch where he had like, I think like eight or nine straight points for the Sixers. Um, I'm, I mean, that, that was a gut, gutsy, gutsy performance by him and a tremendous performance. I mean, I think it was like his 18th straight game with 30 plus points for the Sixers. Um, so I, I just love what I saw there after the game and, and B gave Jokic all the credit. He said, look, you know, I'm the MVP of the season, but he's the finals MVP. And so, and B basically saying, look, this is still the best play in the world. I'm trying to get to where he's trying to get to. And I thought it was a great comment because in a lot of ways, it's true, right? Like the way we're evaluating Nikola Jokic right now, I mean, uh, Joel Embiid right now, it's the, he's great, but. Right. There's always that. But like, can he get it done in the playoffs? Can Philly win it? Can they get to the finals? So everybody's kind of like waiting for him to turn that corner and not really appreciating to, in, in my opinion, what he's doing right now, which is having a, a pretty damn good season, man. A great season. That's the focus on it. throughout. Even on the broadcast last night, they were talking about it. they said, you know, he still has playoff woes. He has to overcome those issues. And you can just hear that even though it's a regular season award, that's this is sometimes the issue with MVP voting is that they'll go back in history. It's like, oh, well, we probably should have given it to Embiid that year outside of Jokic. And now, you know, well, we can't give it to Jokic because can we really give it to somebody three times who hasn't won a championship yet? And it's like, yeah. let's just focus on the regular season. It's a regular season award. Yeah. There's a finals MVP for a reason. Um, with that totally being agree. said, I mean, you look at what, 
Andrew, I agree with your point where it's like, even when you talk about Embiid right now, it's like everyone goes back to like, look what Jokic does and there's nobody that does it. And you look at Embiid, it's like, it's always compared to what Jokic is doing, right? It's like you talk about the the numbers, the the even the analytical numbers, like it's not even comparable to what Jokic is doing. You talk about the playmaking, it's not comparable to what Jokic is doing. Everything is compared to Jokic, so it only makes sense that Jokic is not only the best player because he's won all those MVP awards and he is a Finals MVP, but the whole discussion even around Embiid is what he what he isn't and what Jokic is. Yeah, totally agree. Totally Great. agree. Yeah, I mean, Embiid, like Tatum's the same way. Bradley Beal's a little bit the same way. Their games are almost built in a skill development lab. Yeah. It's like they're very skillful, but what do they do to make their teammates better? And I think to truly be the best player in the league, you need that effect, that compound effect of just passing the ball at the right moment, making yeah. everybody around you better, and that's what really uplifts the team. It not only gives you juice on the offensive side, it gives you juice – on the defensive side over time for series, you know? So th that's why I always, like, I think Jokic is clearly a better basketball player than Embiid, and I said that before the series, but kudos to Embiid. Great performance. He showed up, you know? He showed up. Who who outside who outside of Jokic is another guy that elevates everybody's game? Jason Kidd. SGA. Yeah, and you know what? SGA isn't the most elite passer, but he's a very good passer and does make those around him better. Like, he's not a gifted of a passer of Jason Kidd or LeBron James. He, right, he does right. it a little bit differently, but he doesn't hold it too long. You know, everybody stays in flow when he has the ball, makes the right pass at the right time, and makes very good passes. I totally agree right. with you, CP. He's, he's smart. Um, with with Jokic, a couple things that, that that's pretty interesting. A lot of people are, because they play each other next week, a lot of people are seeing. Well, is he going to show up in Denver and play and play Jokic? Did I say Embiid or did I say Jokic? I keep I keep uh, mixing two guys up. With Embiid, a lot of people <laughs> asking if he's going to go to Denver to take on Jokic next week. He doesn't have much room for error because he only has seven games left of load management before he's ineligible for the MVP. So. I think you're going to expect to see. I think they, they, but what I think what Philly might start doing, and I don't know if, if, you know, he has more, more pride than to do this, but I think you might see situations like you saw last year where guy suits up, plays for the first half, and then chills out for a little bit in the second half. Like he only has seven games left throughout this rest of the season, 49 games left. If he misses more than seven games, he's not eligible. 65 game requirement. Yeah, and he well, probably he needs a little bit. He probably needs a little bit of a buffer, right? In case like a hamstring here, something small here. So he's yeah. gonna want to play these games. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I would say this. What's more important to Embiid, winning the MVP or winning a Finals? I hope winning a Finals. I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak for it, man. I don't know what what what's uh how, how much how much extra bags is is that uh is that MVP, man? Well, he he went on like a podcast tour to win MVP like two years ago when Jokic won it. Like he was yeah. going on every podcast talking about how, you know, they were asking questions about the MVP. It felt like he was coming out with a book or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> man, there's a lot of dollars that comes with being the NBA MVP, man. That is true. That yeah, is you true. know, the, you got to do your so due diligence. The, the window for winning yeah. a finals is also very short. So that is very, that is very true. Wait, are so, they guys are seriously, though? Can talk this about can this team win a championship currently constructed? Because I believe no. the answer is no. No, they can't. They um, need they, they 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 the Sixers needed Siakam if they were going to really be that. I think they they definitely need that third guy who's a star in their own role. 
like an Aaron Gordon yeah. for Denver. That's what, what they got, need, somebody like that. What do you guys think about Caruso? I think he could help them. Not enough. I don't think it's enough. Okay. Well, what would they, they be better, CP? They Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I like their depth as it is right now, man. I, I love their depth. I, lo- I love um, uh, Batum. I've always loved Batum. Marcus Morris. I've always loved Marcus Morris. I think Pat Bev. You know, they're not who they were, but they're tough, veteran, savvy. They they, they defend. Like, you need those get-it-out-the-mud guys for the playoffs. The, 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 the question I have is, number one, and B comes with his own question marks in the playoffs, right? Yes. Maxi, Maxi as the second guy in the playoffs. How does he handle the attention there? How does he adjust, right? We haven't necessarily seen that. You know, we've seen him be the third guy, but we haven't seen him be that that second or or even one B, if you want to say, in the playoffs to go get you a bucket when you need to. And that, that's where I think they're going to be lacking because if it's not Embiid, if it's not Maxi, the guy I've loved this season who's having a tremendous season, but what will he do in the playoffs is Tobias Harris. That, to me, is, is the wild card because he has shot creation ability. He's tough. His defense has been rugged this year. He can get on the boards. Like, he he has that bag. Like, I always labeled him like a little Dollar Tree Carmelo in terms of his shot creation ability. But, you know, 21 points in his, in his last 10. 21-6, 52% from the field, 40% from three. Dropped 37 on the Kings when Embiid was at that game. Tobias to me is a wild card if they don't make a move. Dollar Tree Jeremy Mello Grant. is hilarious. Dollar Go Tree Mellow. Dollar Tree Mellow. What do you guys think? What do you guys think Jeremy about Zach Grant. Levine? Can Zach Levine take him over the hump? I think he, I think he I think he can, but the, Zach Levine is also just a big wild card as well. Because you don't know what you're, yeah. <laughs> defensively he would need to step up. That's where it's going to come down to. Like all, offense, yeah. you know, he can get he. The good thing about Zach Levine is that he can actually play off ball. But the thing, the other thing is, is he going to be that guy that enters a new situation and say, oh, wait, 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 I need to get my touches too. Hold on one second. Is he going to throw off the entire mojo of what's happening in Philadelphia? Um, that would be my biggest concern on offense. Defense, he would need to step it up. That's why I think it's Jeremy Grant. I think if you're the Sixers, go out and go get – go bring your guy back home. Bring Tybal back too. He's shooting <laughs> better now. Bring Tybal <laughs> back. Bring Tybal back. <laughs> Great Tybal back. That's funny for for sure, man. Um, another thing uh, I think with, with Philly that that concerns me is I think they, they, they're they not effective rebounding. You know, mm-hmm. last night, for prime example, they gave Jokic snagged 11 offensive rebounds. Jokic alone had almost more yeah. than Nuggets average in offensive rebounds last night. And that's just one game. But in the season overall, Philly's 27th in the league in opponents offensive rebounding uh, per game. Yeah, so I mean, the ability to, 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 you know, limit their opponents getting second chance opportunities factors into their defense, especially in the playoffs. They got to tighten up there. Yeah. Like with the Bucs, I mean, if they went up against the Bucs, Giannis would have a field day on the boards, right? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it always ties back to his team, Al. It, <laughs> it, it always ties back uh, to, to his team. But yeah, no, that, that game last night was a classic, man. I, I really enjoyed that one. Now, let's talk about this other one, man. Phoenix and the Kings. The Kings visiting the Valley of the Sun and were pretty much dominating this game. You know, they were leading by as much as 22 points. The Suns couldn't get out of their own way. 20 turnovers leading to 25 Kings points. Missing bunnies at the rim. Um, You know, at just a time, just in their, their offensive lulls, as the Suns are capable of doing. 
but a ferocious fourth quarter comeback spearheaded by a two-way effort by Kevin Durant led to probably one of the best comebacks definitely of the season where, I mean, it was like 550 left and the, and the Suns are down by like 19 points. But here comes KD. Vogel puts him in at the five and he just led the way, man. He's he's guarding some bonus. He's coming down the other way, playmaking, launching threes. I think, I think the Suns' defense overall was really stifling, especially in that fourth quarter. Suns win 119-117, man. Andrew, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous shot making on both sides from the Kings in the first half. And then in the fourth quarter, I think we were talking about 2K a little bit earlier. Um, Their game sliders were all the way up, right? Like everybody was hitting on all cylinders. Um, Grayson Allen has been magnificent this season. I think, as KD said, is showing that he's more than a 3 and D guy. And I wonder if they might be able to use him as a trade asset at this point. And try and bring in something else because I believe this team currently constructed will not win a championship. But Bradley Beal only had 13 points. Obviously, he brings them something that he hasn't had that they didn't have when he was injured, like that burst um, in the open court, which he has a little bit over like a Devin Booker or Kevin Durant, even though he's ISO scorer just like them. Um, I do think they have to make a move, though, if they want to be legit this season. And I don't really see them being legit. But what a fourth quarter. What a comeback. And. Watching this game as well, Keegan Murray, man, like I understand why they want to give him up in a trade package for Pascal because I think he's a player that not only fits their system in a great well, in a great way, maybe even better than Pascal. Like we don't even know how Pascal would have fit in this system, but I think he's gonna keep improving every year, which he has. The issue with the the Kings, I mean, well, I guess first let me say say just like awesome effort by the Suns. You get to see your big three out there. I mean, even De- the fact that you even have Devin Booker make a bucket in the fourth quarter, you just had to rely on Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant, mainly Kevin Durant. That's awesome for the Suns, right? Um, but when I go to think about the Kings, it's just the issue of the defense, man. That's why they're in these talks for Pascal Siakam. They need to figure it out. I mean, you're going to have DeBonta Sabonis as your center. It's just a revolving door, man. I mean, how are you going to expect him – to compete in this Western conference when you got guys like Kevin Durant who can just shoot right over him. And then he has to go out there and guard him. That's just, that's a tough challenge, man. It's a definitely a tough challenge for somebody like him and anybody else on that roster. So for the Kings, I don't know how, like they're a good team. Great story last season. How do you build moving forward from this? You know, you got questions about the Suns, as Andrew saying, I got questions about the Kings because it's nice. Like you can have another year where you're in the playoffs. You're showing that you're competitive again, that you turn the organization around, but you got to figure out how to move this thing forward. And Harrison Barnes, you got to move him, man, because he's he's not going to help you. Yeah. He wasn't enough to get a Pascal, though, obviously. <laughs> Who wants Harrison Barnes in today's NBA? <laughs> Who wants Harrison Barnes, man? Um, For the Suns. Definitely good comeback. And, you know, after it's it's been a struggle for them all season to get acclimated and and find their chemistry. But it led on the on the defensive end, which I think is the most important for them. You know, with with Book and Katie and Beal, it's just like the Bucks. Like you have enough to figure out some offense. You you'll find a way. You got two of the three of the best isolation scorers in the game. You you'll find a way to get just like the Bucks. Just like the Bucks. But what I like last night was, and again, this 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 may not work against the Nuggets, right? They had the ability to go small with Katie at the five 
and the Kings are soft in their own right. They don't play big, and so that, that factored into the Suns' favor. But defensively, they were ferocious. You know, you mentioned Grayson Allen. I thought he was a terror on, on the perimeter. Devin Booker's defense was really good. I thought they really tightened up and clamped down last night, which is, to me, the most important for, for them to succeed. And that's why I, I can't see them trading Grayson Allen right now because he's one of the best perimeter defenders they have. Like the and, and three and this three point shooting that they're gonna need. So I think he's he's a player that they're gonna need. Now, you know, Eddie Johnson was asking on the telecast, he, he was thinking this could be a turning point for them. I'm not necessarily so sure because I, I think the Kings are just they're, they're all right. Like they're soft team. I I don't think too too highly of them. So I'm not sure if this was a a, a team that you turn it around against. But you know, certainly something to feel good about. A 19 point comeback. Hey, it's a good win. There's no way, another way to slice it for the Suns. Great win for them. Would they also want to trade their probably most their healthiest player in Grayson Allen too? Because he's essentially been around for most, if not all, the games too. Yeah. Because you you haven't had Bradley Beal. There's games where Booker's had to miss as well, and then you've had to rely on Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen. Although I do see Andrew's point. Like sometimes you gotta, you know, see, you got you talk about it all the time. Got to give up to get something. And if you think about you needing center depth for this team or anything else, maybe even get, get another point guard, you got to go. You probably got to look at trading Grayson Allen if you want anything valuable in return. Yeah. True indeed. True indeed, man. Um, yeah, like I said, for the Kings, I, I'm not so sure where they go, man. The, the team, I, I don't think. Um, it's a fun story. About, it's a fun story. It was a fun story. It's great. Certainly great to see them, you know, get out of the basement, light the beam and all the excitement. But now is, is where the pressure begins. You know, Do you guys think you can win with Sabonis as? No. As what, the second best guy? Second, yeah. It depends on what you have around you. Depends on what you have around you. I, well, I do you think I even, think do you th- even think you can win with Sabonis as your starting center? No. Depend. Well, it depends you on got, you. You got to get a better, you got to get a... Keegan, it depends where Keegan develops, too. Right. Can can Keegan develop into that all-star wing? Then I think, I mean, damn, they're tough. The way they play basketball, I mean, it fits the modern NBA. You know, Mike Brown brought that warrior system in there. Um, I, they, do, they, do, they do need to make a move if they want to win this season. Yeah. Uh, what, Bruce Brown, maybe? <laughs> hey, there it goes. Could it, could it be Bruce Brown? I think they might have to take a look at that, man. Mike Brown's Definitely. looking more and more stressed by yeah. the day. So I, I, yeah. I only ask about Sabonis because if you think about the rest of the centers in the Western Conference alone, right? Rudy Gobert, you have Cat, and you have Nas, Nas Reed is closer to the to Sabonis's height, but he comes off the bench. He's tough got, too, underrated. Yeah, yeah. So you got you got Cat, and you got Gobert out in Minnesota. You have Chet. For OKC, you got Jokic for Denver, Clippers. You got Zubac, uh, Dallas. You got Lively, who's a starter. Pelicans. You got um, Valanciunas. I don't know. It's pretty tough, man. And even for the Suns, you got uh, you got Nurk. And then for Utah, who's now, you know, got a six-game winning streak. They're ninth right now. You got uh, who, who is the starting center right now? Are they starting with Warrior right now? Because I know they've been. Back and forth, but still, they also got hype at that uh, on Utah as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just depends on how. I mean, Fox is still ascending, right? And Keegan Murray is the key. 
Um, he, he definitely has to get to an all-star level, which maybe they believe he can. And I believe he can, um, he has to keep improving, but yeah, I don't know if this is the year they could win a championship and they definitely need more depth at that wing position because we mentioned Harrison Barnes, um, and this version of Harrison Barnes is probably not going to cut it at the wing. And that's why they were so interested in Pascal. Right. Right. Or even Kyle Kuzma, you know, they were interested oh, yeah. in, Kuzma in the off season as well. Yeah, he would fit them from a basketball standpoint. I think he would fit them. You know, yeah. quick hitting offense. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, salute, to salute to everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for your boy CP, Alex, and Andrew in the building. And let's get to this third game last night, man, because um, this was another game that that was really good down to the wire game. You had uh, OKC visiting the Clippers. The, the Paul George SGA trade still hanging in the background as a storyline all these years later. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, but this was a good game, man. And this is several lead changes going back and forth. You had the Clippers, despite a uh, a 34-point third quarter, OKC coming back, mounting a ferocious comeback of their own. And then into the fourth quarter, it was PG time as Paul George goes off absolutely detonates on the thunder for 18 points. PG 13 goes haywire down the stretch. You had some clutch defense by Kawhi Leonard and Alex, and I'm going to say your name personally, the Clippers remain the hottest team in the Mm. NBA right now, beating the thunder, a hot team in their own right. 128 to 120 to 117. Clippers since I think it was like November 5th or something the best record in the NBA bro I told you about these guys man no my goodness I told you about these guys give them time that's what isn't that what I said give them time let it cook look what they're doing right now yeah I said they needed time too to get together but I also don't believe that they're gonna be like unless they can continue this type of production and stay healthy that's the biggest thing with this team is can they stay healthy can they stay healthy? Will James Harden not implode in the playoffs? Will you actually get playoff P, you know, in the playoffs? Those have been the big questions for the Clippers, man. I mean, they've had the year that they could have gone to the finals was in the bubble and they got demolished by the Denver Nuggets. So this team still has its own juju they got to work through, but are they playing great right now? Absolutely. They look phenomenal. James Harden being the starting point guard for that team looks much better than Russell Westbrook, who is doing well in his own right to start the season. But you see the playmaking that James Harden is doing. I mean, what I thought was very fascinating, and shout out to Paul George for his podcast. He had Zubak on it recently. He's talking about how Harden gets there, and him and Zubak have consistently been working on their pick-and-roll game together. And you get to see how that's been transpiring as the season wears on. So the Clippers are playing well, man. You have... Kawhi, who's looking like Raptors Kawhi. Paul George is just playing on another level. I mean, between Paul George and Kawhi, they're going back and forth between who's the leading scorer of this team. And there it's just that you get you are seeing what this team was supposed to be when you got the two wings in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're playing at such a high level. And they even got the depth to go with it. I mean, you got Norma Powell coming off the bench, right? You got uh, you got Terrence, man, not Trey, man, CP, Terrence, man. <laughs> right, right. You also got uh, who was it? And you got Westbrook, man, coming off the bench as well. So this is a good team, solid team. I still have my questions about them when it comes to playoff time. You're still going to need James Harden to show up. PG-13, a player with absolutely 
no weaknesses. Love to see him play well. One of the most complete basketball players in the NBA. It's always an easy take to say, you know, as I said, the Kings not legit title contenders. The Suns not legit title contenders because 29 teams lose every year, right? But I do absolutely believe that this Clippers team is a legit title contender. And a lot of that has to do with the system. James Harden, man, the system, the system himself. He said he was the system. Is he the system of this team? No, Kawhi Leonard is, but he was that table setter they needed with PG-13 and Kawhi to put everything in place. He's been doing just that. And this team is a legit title contender from where, from where I see it. Uh, I don't I don't see what they're missing, right? You guys, you guys just listed it. They have everything. They have star power. They have defense. They have size. They have three-point shooting, number one in the NBA in three-point efficiency, one of the best offenses in the NBA in, in terms of uh, offensive rating. They have clutch scoring. All they need is health. All they need is health, and I'm going to put them right there because everything is coming together for them right now. You have that glue guy dynamo in in uh in Terrence Mann who I like. Um Tice is giving them another element off the bench, some energy, some some uh mm-hmm. offense rebounding, some defensive well, some good passing. They get Plumlee back. Zubox is 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 uh is there as well, so they have their center depth. I think they ha- I think they've got pretty much everything. The Brody's coming off the bench. He's he's already adjusted his game. Harden's gotten there. You put him in a situation where he wants to be in, right? Everybody expected, oh, he's just going to cancer it all up everywhere he goes. No, he went to Philadelphia, you want to make it work, and they jerked him on the money. It was business. Now he goes to the Clippers where he wanted to go to, and, and he's adjusting his game. He's becoming the point guard that they need, giving them scoring if they need scoring as well. I think they're going to be dangerous, man, if they stay healthy, especially with Kawhi and PG. And Those look- guys are the key. And look, they didn't even have Zubak last night. He's he was out, right? right. Mason Plumley looking solid for returning earlier this month, but when everyone's fully healthy, and you've seen it even prior to last night's game, they took down the Thunder. You know, I have my questions about the Thunder. I think they're still too young to like. I get that they're going to be in the finals conversation. I still think they're too young. I think you need another year under Chet's belt to really be a true like finals contender yeah. team. I know they're going to be in that conversation, but. This the Clippers team is is it's deep, man. It it is truly a deep team, and you don't even get much, you don't even need much out of Westbrook. He's giving you ten points off the bench. Yeah, that's and, it, and it's and that's it, and that's really it. That's it. That that's all you need, man. Um, and you know, like you said, for OKC, tough tough loss for them. But I I still love this team, man. I I love the they're fact a fun that, team. Like, I just love the fact that, like, it's just a different name every night. You know, in the, in this game, it's Isaiah Joe making not just making three pointers, but getting getting timely boards. Um, you have Wiggins on this team, Heinrich Kendrick Williams, like all these guys going in on this run while SGA's on the bench. And so, you know, that's just what I love about this OKC team. As Flizzy Flex said in the chat, they don't rebound enough. They got to get a little bit tougher there. And you know, the size dynamic of what they do with Chet whether they're going to put him at the five or put a five next to him, that's going to be the next building piece for them in terms of their ascension, but still a good effort by them, you know, trying to claw back and, and, uh, and win that game on the second night of a back-to-back. I'm my guy, Jalen Williams. Hooping. Yeah. Oh, Future. man. Talk, can we talk about him? Can Future. we talk about him, man? Future all-star, I think. Whoa. Whoa. Yo, Whoa. his game, he is, oh, he is bouncy. He is Bro, bouncy. What can, what can't he do? 
What can I he do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I look at Jalen Williams like I'm looking at like a 10 year NBA veteran, bro. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? With, with youthful athleticism. Yeah. <laughs> On top and, of and, and a gamer. He he raises his game. That's how you know he's going to be a star in this league, because when the game gets tighter is when he starts to elevate it. Yeah. it when, you know, when PG's going off, he's trying to match that. And I just I just love his competitiveness. They have their three set. With him, Chet, and and Shea, they just got to figure out the rest, man, and use some of the depth they have to get a little bit stronger, take a couple of pieces back to to uh, move it forward. But, man, Jalen Williams is going to be that guy, bro. He yeah. He's absolutely going to be that guy, man. No question about it. Love his game, man. Great star fit with SGA, Jalen, and Chet. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wish the Knicks drafted him, man. They had the opportunity. What happened? I'm, I'm going to go, go back into – um our draft archives and those conversations we were having about Jalen Williams. I'm going to put a, a compilation together from all the scouts that we talked to just comparing like the thoughts then to what it is now, because I think it would be a very interesting exercise. I, I was actually thinking about going into the archives today and, and putting a clip together because that, that was a question. I'm like, yo, I watched this guy. I watched it as real from, from uh, Santa Clara, right? Santa Clara was at Arizona state. Which, which one is Santa you? Clara? Right. I'm like, yo, what are we missing? What are we missing with this guy? He, he's a big rangy wing who can get buckets in, in a game where you need wings to get buckets. Like, what are we missing with this guy? That's what I was asking all these scouts. And and I forgot what the reactions were, but it'd be very interesting to, to uh, compare the then and now. I got to give a shout out to, to our guy, Chris Percy, honestly, because while I was talking draft with him, this is a guy that he highlighted. He was like, he gave me his top three guys. Jalen Williams was one of his guys out of Santa Clara. He's like, I, he liked the dog nature in him. And it's like, you just see it on a nightly basis. Yeah. You see it on a, how did he drop? How? How? Did he drop? how? how did he was he right drop? there. We, CP, that night we drafted Usman Dang and traded him to Dude, OKC. OKC. <laughs> oh, man. You can't make it up. You, you absolutely can't make it up, man. Um, but back to the Clippers, you know, they, uh, they're going to be opening up their new stadium next year. The Intuit dome. I actually passed by there, uh, last weekend when I was out in Inglewood, when, when I was out in Cali. And so there's been a lot of press coming out about the new stadium and some of the features. The Clippers are also getting the 2026 all-star game. So, uh, the NBA is getting back to respectability with the all-star game. You know, after like several lackluster sites. I mean, they went from Utah to Cleveland to to the to Indiana. I mean, dump to dump to dump. And now they're starting to get back into it. You know, they got they got the the uh the the Golden State Warriors doing it in 25, and then you got the Clippers in 26. LA, yeah, All Star is yeah. a great mix. I'll tell you that it's right a now. Great mix. I, 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 I was there for that last one, which was um a while back already. Yeah, yeah. But it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Absolutely a fun time, man. So a couple of tidbits on this stadium, and then then we're going to get to the Steve Ballmer clip. uh, 17,700-seat arena. Now, this whole thing is Ballmer wants you in your seats. He doesn't want you to move. So they're promising that there will be no concession lines for food and drink. You're going to have some seats with climate controls in there. So if you you get overheated, you're wiling out in your seat, you put the AC on, and you're straight. They're going to have computer chips in some seats to quote unquote improve the experience, right? So now they're going to turn the people into bots. So now they want to know when you get up to go take a piss, how long you've been gone and what they need to do to get you back 
into your seat, man. And then uh, one of the biggest features, they're going to have uh, what's called the wall in this arena. Now, the wall is going to be 51 uninterrupted rows of seats filled with 4,500 fans stacked high and close to the action. Tickets for the section are limited to Clippers fans only, according to front office sports. Fans in that section are encouraged to be loud and proud for the Clippers and only the Clippers. They can't cheer or wear sports gear of any opposing team, and tickets can only be sold on the ticket's official resale market. I love that, man. What, what do you guys think? I think that is that's hard. That's hard, bro. What, what, do, what do you guys think about that, man? Do you think you that's going to get everything? I, I, I agree with you, but do you think that's going to get some kind of backlash telling people what they can and can't wear? That's what I want to know. What, what are well, we going <laughs> to? I don't see. I don't know. I don't know if uh, like how diehard and rabid the Clipper fan base is. But like if we had this in the garden, like we would absolutely do this if we could afford it. You know, you know <laughs> what a lot of the Clippers fan base used to be like? Yeah. If you were like grew up in another town and you didn't want to, and like the Lakers were your rival, you just didn't want to cheer for them. Like, let's go to the Clippers game. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure. Is Clipper Daryl going to be like leading the charge there? Did they give him some seats? Hopefully they took care of him. Yeah. Like if the Knicks had this out, I I think we, if we, if, if we could afford it now, some of these seats in Madison Square Garden are quite pricey. But if the Knicks had this, I think this would be good. You kick all the tourists out, get the seat, get the suits out of here, bro. Just even think about the fanatic. Miami Heat. Think about that Miami Heat series that you went to, where that one game it was not the same atmosphere as it was round one, right? Yeah, and you 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 highlighted it. Oh my god, the garden would be rocking. The thing is that a Clippers fan base, even though it does exist. It's not. It's nothing like any of the original franchises, right? It's not like the yeah. Lakers. It's not like the Celtics. It's not like the Knicks. It's nothing of that nature. It's not even like the 76ers, yeah. right? So you got to do everything in your power to amp this thing up in order to get people to want to go out there and support this team. That's why yeah. they gave uh, Kawhi the contract. They're like, hey, whoa, Kawhi, don't you leave, all right? PG, we're going to take care of you too because we need you guys on the banners. We need everything. We got to do everything in our power to have this arena sold out on a nightly basis. But the yeah. wall, well, that the wall looks crazy, man. Looks that crazy. looks insane. I mean, shit, they, they might have to put make Bomber sit there for, for the first year and be like the main cheerleader to get the people going in that section, man. He, yeah, he goes crazy. He has Yo, a he goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. He goes crazy. He's he dressed for the, <laughs> always, always. Let, let's, uh, so let's CP, wait a minute. Hold on. Before yeah, we go yeah, to the yeah. video, are yeah. you, is this the next link up once this building is done? Is that the next link up? In oh, LA? we, oh, oh, CP, yeah. all star game. We have to do an event. Yeah, we're in I'll there. tell you that. We're, we're absolutely in there, man. That's definitely the next next link up. Nick's Clippers, we got to go check it out. Yeah, it's nice, man. It's real nice. Uh, they got the casino across the street. You got Hollywood Park Casino across the street. Right down the road is SoFi Stadium. So they got Inglewood popping right now. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of traffic, a lot of add to a lot more traffic there. But um, overall, incredible looking building. No question about it, man. All right, uh, Campbell, let, let's run the clip of Steve Ballmer. Speaking of which, this was his reaction to uh, the uh, the wall and some of the amenities of the new stadium. Stay in your seat or get up. You get up, we're going to know that you stood up. As long as you, you want us to, you've got to give us the permission. We'll know that you get up. We know that you cheer. We know how loudly you were cheer. 
If you're, if you're good on those things, we can give you little discounts around the shop just to, to reinforce that excellent behavior. We can give you little discounts. 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 Yo, shout, shout out my guy Rob Perez, man. Him and his team put that together. That was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Steve, uh, we, we need owners like this, man. We absolutely need owners like this. Uh, I, I, I love his fire. I love his, his passion. And nothing nothing like a billionaire owner to tell you that. They're going to give you a little discount, a little 10% off at the merch store if you make a little noise, right? <laughs> nothing like a billionaire owner to tell you they give you a little, a little discount, man. Yeah, a little bit of a discount, whatever that hand gesture is. Discount, discount, <laughs> discount. Oh, whatever that. I don't even know what's going on over here. Uh, well, he, at least he's in the news for good reasons. I don't yeah. like James Dolan, so hey, it's but, a free glizzy for you for your troubles. Hey, good God, free glizzy. <laughs> free, but hey, this is what you want to see, man. That's what you want. You yeah, want to see free, the owner yo, free glizzy is nasty work. Free glizzy is crazy. Work. That is nasty work. Uh, but hey, that's what you want to see. You want to see your owner involved. You want to see your owner out there and just like excited. Like Ballmer's excited about this team every single day. Yeah. That, that like that gives you confidence in the sense that you know he's trying to do best towards the team, right? Yeah. That's the that's the most I could take away because there's some owners who are just like, this is just an investment. I like it as an investment, and we keep it pushing. Ballmer is looking to make the most out of this team every single day. So for him, man, and, and you can just see he's just trying, man. He's trying to create a Clippers fan base yeah. as much as possible. I can't wait to see the arena because you know there's some nights we watch when it was uh, when you go to when you look at crypto.com. There's not a lot of people in the in the stands, so I want to yeah. see how he's going to get that arena filled. True and deep, true and deep, man. Uh, Andrew, final comments on on the clips. Yeah, I mean, I think I love everything that they're doing, and you need your own arena, right? Like yeah. it's just a different feel when you're playing in somebody else's arena. Um, it, it makes you feel even more like you're the second team, even everybody knows they're the second team in LA, like Brooklyn's the second team in New York. Like it's always tough being in that role, but when you get your own arena and you have a governor that acts like this, um, I think things are trending in the right direction and you definitely need to extend these guys, which he did with the Kawhi. And I think he's working on PG 13, right? That hasn't yeah. been uh, done sure. yet. Yeah, so. I'm sure that that's the plan, man. And and yeah. you know, with Harden, you got Kawhi, you got PG, you got Wes. Yeah, marketing for the new stadium, man. Definitely, and they're all they're all from California. All from Cali. Yeah, all, all from Cali. So, uh, let's see where that takes them. Let's see how they fare as the league enters into the second half of the season. So, to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up on the feed, boys. CP, Alex, and Andrew on the NBA report. Speaking of Clippers, join us on Friday. We will have Law Murray from the Athletic. Uh, Clippers insider, Law Murray, man, friend of the program. He'll be here when uh, we do a check-in report on the Clippers as well, do more of a deep dive. So looking forward to that one Friday morning. And uh, let's let's close with this one, man. Um, the Warriors assistant coach, I hope I'm not butchering his name, Dijon Malejovic has passed away. Uh, 46 years old, uh, Tuesday in Salt Lake City. He was hospitalized in critical condition after suffering a heart attack, it says. Um, he had a decorated 15-year playing career. Serbian native joined the Warriors staff in 2021. A beloved figure in global and league circles, man. So uh, rest in peace to him. 
and our condolences to the Warriors and uh, and the Jazz because they they did postpone tonight's game earlier. Earlier they they did postpone the night's game. So seemed like you know once they did that, it was uh, you know seemed like it was going to be a life th- life threatening issue here. Yeah, I mean condolences to his family, to the Warriors, to everyone, man, his friends. It's terrible, man. Forty six. That's really young. So yeah, you, you, you don't like hearing that type of news. Um, man, just losing somebody at that age and someone who's in the locker room every single day. It's like losing a brother. So hopefully, you know, you know, I I I, I don't even really know what to say, man. It's just terrible to hear such a news like this. Yeah, rest peacefully, man. That's terrible. Yep. Condolences to the family and the Warriors organization, of course. For sure. For sure, man. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that for the show. Uh, great show, guys. Make sure you guys tap in on Friday uh, with Law Murray. Law Murray coming through. Also, remember that the show is available in audio podcast format, man. No reason to miss it. Catch us on all major podcast platforms. And support our sponsor, man. Go to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MBAR for a first-time deposit match up to $100. Or you can hit the link in the video description, man. So we will see you guys Friday, uh, same time. NBA Report, man. CP, Alex, and Andrew, we out of here. Great show, guys. Peace.